Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. Today we're at the Dragon Con, and we're with our award-winning author, Carrie Callahan, published in um, Writers of the Future Volume 35 with her story, Dirt Road Magic. Welcome, Carrie. Oh, thank you, John. So, um, the last time we spoke, you had just arrived in Hollywood, and things were still a bit fresh on what was doing as with respect to being a winner of Rise of Feature. So, uh, tell me about yourself as you developed from being an aspiring writer to actually being published. Well, I think that um, through the course of the workshop and meeting the judges and the instructors and understanding what it's like for them to be professionals and getting that access, I think, has helped me a lot to understand and kind of recontextualize myself as a professional author. And that changes the way that I've approached things like conventions like this one. Yeah. And um, it's changed the way I've even approached my writing. And, and I've been a lot more regimented and, you know, just been furiously writing away. Good. So now since... Since you first began writing, which was, um, from what you told me before, you were like you were six or something like that, you wrote your first little story or something? It was like, you're really young. Yeah, when I was like seven or eight, I think, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote a superhero story yeah, about yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the beginning of your, the start of your arc. Yes. So how did it evolve from there then? Well, I mean, I feel like if you start with a self-inclusion fantasy of yourself as a superhero. It's only up from there. So, um, you know, I've just been, you know, use, I, I still use my, my life as material. Sure. Like a lot. Sure. Um, but in fact, Dirt Road Magic that's in the volume 35 is actually based on a place I lived and based on people that I knew. Right. And a walk I used to take to my friend's house. Um, so it's not... And a magician you knew? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I knew I'm a real magician, I mean, <laughs> I would definitely stalk them and write about it yes. and then sell many books. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so um, has becoming a writer been like a, for yourself a direction for a vocation or has it been an avocation that kind of like is now evolving to a vocation? I think that for me, it's something I've always had to do. Like, I don't really have a choice. It's kind of how I identify, I guess, as I identify as a writer. It's just I was told I was that from when I was very young. Uh -huh. And I do think that it's evolved in the sense that um, I've always wanted to push it towards being more of a vacation, more of like my actual job. Yeah. Uh, but that is, it's a lot of work, you know? And That's I a think, fact. Yeah. And the, and the framing is different. So it's one thing to just write as a writer. It's another thing to write as an author. Mm -hmm. And I do think that I've started to write a lot more as an author. You know, and I, I take my writing time more seriously now. Um, I take even my editing more seriously now. I used to just kind of throw whatever I wanted up there, and now it's uh, I have to kind of give it a little more, little more of the squinted eye. And people say, are now you know, looking and saying, okay, so what, what's she doing? How's she growing? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So are you moving in the direction? Like, you obviously won a short story contest with Writers of the Future. What's your direction now? Are you going to novels? I like writing short stories and novels. I think they both have their place. Yeah. And uh, I think they're both very valuable from a craft perspective. Uh, I enjoy them both. And right now I'm working on a novel. Uh -huh. uh, I'm almost done with it. It's called Blood Tramp Blues, about a couple of hitchhikers who run into some Lovecraftian horror on the road. I like to say it's Kerouac meets Cthulhu. <laughs> um, and I've been, you know, working on that. And I'm close to done. And when I'm done, I'm hoping to write a few more short stories, actually, because I, I like to switch between them. A novel is a, is a heavy, heavy undertaking. Yeah. You know, uh, short stories to me are the cardio yeah. for my writing muscles. And sometimes you just need to do those instead of, you know, the power lifts. Yeah. So now, how do you work out your schedule? Because you have a regular, your food and rent job, and then you've got your love. And maybe right. your food and rent job is also part of your love too. But 
how do you how do you balance them? Well, I feel I feel in a funny place to kind of answer this question. So, I do have a forty hour a week job, and I also have a DIY home remodel that I've been working on with my husband, and I also started my low residency MFA a couple of weeks ago. And I'm writing my fiction, so not just for class, but for me right. on the side. And so I think that having having those things has actually helped me. I, I respond really well to pressure yeah. and to time tension. So when I have to do something, I just do it. Right. When I don't have to do it, I procrastinate for days. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's actually a good worth a good work ethic. Like it, the thing to do is more, not less. Yes, yeah, and, and a lot of people, I think, they get one thing and they get overwhelmed and they stop doing the other thing that they like doing, but um, like I said, I have to write, so yeah. I have to figure out where I can fit it in. I have to play the, the jigsaw puzzle game until everything fits the way it's right. supposed to, and um, when you have to do that, I think it makes me value my time more, more carefully, and I think that it can be that motivation for other people, but it's a mindset. It's not just something that magically pops into your head, yeah. I think. When you write, how much are you able to write in a day? Or how do you, how do you gauge your, your writing speed? Is it daily word speed or is it weekly? Well, or how do, you, how do you do that? I, I track my, my word count on an Excel sheet. And I like to see what my daily output is as well as what my cumulative is for a specific project. Uh-huh. Uh, that really motivates me. But um, any... Honestly, That's what Brandon was talking about yesterday, yeah, too. I know, yeah, I know. As soon as he said it, I, I thought, you know, like on the panel, I was, oh, he, he has a spreadsheet, too. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. I feel like I'm doing it right then. But, you know, I, I like the numbers. They help me feel really motivated. I think it's the same as with him. And um, for me, I, my writing output depends on the day. There have been days where I, I am just so stressed out that I can only manage 10 words. And as long as I came to the page, that's the victory. Yeah. But then there are some days where if I really push myself, I can get like 12,000 words. They're not all great. And in fact, I'm less likely to have great words on a 12,000 day than, yeah. on a, than on a 200 day. But, you know, there's still words that I can edit and make better. And yeah. I won't know the difference when I'm done. So, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, Kevin Anderson said he does like four or 5,000 words a day as his yeah. standard that he does. I think it's doable, especially when you have a habit and you have the time. Yeah. Uh, it's something that, it's a muscle, you know, writing is a muscle that you can, you can flex and, and strengthen. Well, for him too, he's never done... That's his thing. He, he's a writer. He's not yeah. a this and a this and a this that he squeezes in writing when he can. It's now mm -hmm. he got himself in a position where he could become a full-time writer, and now he's done that since he did that. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I think um, for me, I still consider myself a writer before I consider myself anything else. Uh -huh. Because like, like you said, I've been doing it since I was a kid. It's right. not something I can divorce myself from. You know, jobs come and go. You know, I'm on the clock, I'm off the clock, but I'm never off the clock for writing because everything is material, so. Good, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. So now for, um, what do you see now for your future? How's, how's your future going? Especially, you know, let's come up to date now from having won the contest. What's happened to your career since then and where is it, what's, what's it taking off now? Well, mostly it's just been working on the novel, getting right. the novel finished, getting the novel in a state where I can share it with other people. And um, from here, once it's, it's polished up where I feel comfortable sending it to human beings, I will be yeah. sending it to, uh, you know, editors and agents and those kinds of folk and see if I can get that sold at the same time I'm working on my short stories. So I'll be occupied. I'll be very occupied. And, and hopefully you'll see my name in, in some more credits in the future. I just, you know, wanted to tackle the novel right. and then kind of move on to maybe some other stuff. Chris, so. that, that's smart. Have you, had, has there, have you noticed any benefits at all from having won the contest thus far? 
Oh yeah, especially here at DragonCon. Um, because I got to have that that face-to-face -face time with the judges, it's been really great to be able to meet them here and then, you know, get to talk to, you know, not just them, but their friends and their, yeah. you know, and to be actually part of the professional writing community and to feel really welcome and, you know, like I had a way to talk to them like a human being instead yeah. of just, you know, um, coming up like, oh, oh I, I love you. I love geek. your work. I love you. You know, because there's about eight other people behind me that are going to do the same thing. And, and you know, their eyes are going to glaze over and I'm going to be like, oh, I'm a writer, too. And they're going to be like, yeah, that's wonderful. Keep writing. And I'm going to be like, thank you and move on. But instead, I get to go up and shake their hand. And, hey, you remember me from the workshop? And they go, oh, oh, yeah, I remember you. You know, and then we can actually talk about writing, you know, even beyond the workshop. It's been really wonderful. So I think that that alone has just been amazing to even yeah. see the, the echoes of it, you know, this far out. So That's good. So now for other aspiring writers, you know, so, I mean, how many times did you enter before you won? Uh, One twice. time? Twice? Yeah. Good. I wish it was once. Yeah. Um, so what advice do you have for aspiring writers? Because we've got, we got like Preston Dent in 47 times. Mm -hmm. We have people like Kevin Anderson who entered 25 plus times we, mm -hmm. when he proed out. Rob Sawyer entered several times where he proed out. Brandon Sanderson only entered once, but then he proed out. So there's, we have a lot of people that, that will end up proing out, but what advice do you have for your spying writer at this point? I would say to just keep, keep working at it. Um, I think Wolf Moon has a great method where he just submits every quarter, or that's what he did until he won. That's what Kevin did too. Yeah, see, and, yeah. and it's great because, not just because it's a matter of like whether or not you win, but you're, you're constantly honing your craft and getting better. And as you get better, I think you're more likely to then succeed with your work yeah. and to get that, that wedge in the door. And even um, people who, you know, they try X amount of times and pro out, like they tried X amount of times and each time they were getting better to the point where they were professional level writers, yeah. you know, no matter what happens, if you do that, like you become a professional level writer, like whether right. you win or not. So I think that it's just persistence and, and not being afraid to submit your work, not being afraid to just kind of like jump into it and, and just say, you know, whatever happens, like it's the worst you get is a no. Like that's the worst that happens when you submit your work is a no thank you. You know, nobody's going to call you up at your house and, and berate your mother for giving birth to you, you know, for the story <laughs> that you wrote. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's going to be that offended you know, by what you write, but um, a lot of people are afraid to submit and they're afraid to write. And if you, if you write, that's great, but that's half of it. You have to submit, you have to get feedback, you have mm -hmm. to know what's going on because everything will work just fine in your head. You will fill in all of your gaps and all of the blanks and you will, you'll know exactly what your characters want. But if somebody else doesn't get that, then, you know, it's not as, it's not as valuable for other people if you want to get readers. Not everybody does. Some people just want to write for fun and that's cool too. Yeah. You know, that's fine. You know. Everybody kind of has their own thing, and that's fine, too. So I think just d enjoy doing it and make it the best that you can and just keep at it and get feedback. Good. Now, people that are finding excuses not to write, not to submit, um, they also have this thing like, but I've got so many obstacles to overcome, I can't do it. So I want you to, because yours is a very good story for somebody who's trying to um, dramatize excuses why they can't do it and all the, the life barriers and stuff like that where, yeah. you know, you've made amazing things just because of your own persistence and dedication. So talk about that if you can for a little bit. Sure. Um, I think that it's really easy to kind of accept what other people have told you you are. Yeah. And it's a lot harder to fight with what you know you are. 
And um, for me, I remember growing up, sometimes people would say things about me and my siblings, you know, like we're ragamuffins and trailer trash and stuff like that. And it was really damaging. And for a long time, I didn't know if that was true. You know, and I thought to myself, am I just a loser? Am I just a loser? And that stopped me from doing a lot. Like, I, I don't think... I'm 31 now, and I think that if I if I didn't have those seeds of doubt in my head, I probably would have been submitting in my early 20s. Uh, it would have just been like a whole decade difference. Yeah. Uh, so I think that knowing where the line is between reality and what you've been told is really important. And what you see around you is not necessarily all of reality. And even if you don't feel like you belong, you're a human being, and, and we're all human beings. No matter who you're looking at or who you're talking to, we're all human beings. And yeah. it's okay. You know, you're not some cave troll just because, you know, nobody uh, pulled you out of, out of the depths early on. You know, sometimes you have to claw your way up yourself and, and you're still human. Yeah. You know. Um, I, have you ever heard of Octavia Butler? Yes. She was a judge briefly. And uh, she, was, she became a very dear friend for a very short period of time. She got sick right after becoming a judge and had her heart attack and passed right. away. But... Um, her story is amazing because she was definitely poverty with a capital P. Mm -hmm. And she went to her local school and she went to the library, which is a very small library. She went to the science fiction section and read everything in there. And she was definitely like the no shoes type, you know, yeah. that type yeah. of thing. But her dedication and her perseverance, and she said, look, you, you can't let anything get in your way. If you really want it, you got to persist and make it go. And she wrote one of the first... Uh, articles in Rise of the Future 30 plus years ago. Uh, Fuhrer Scribendi is the name of her article okay. in uh, yeah. Rise of the Future. But um, that was her thing. She was just, whatever, you, if, some, if you let something get in your way, it's your decision that's getting in your way. Exactly, exactly. And there, I do believe there are things out of our control. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that we have 100% control. But there are also things within your control. And those are the things that you can improve and you can do better. Like, you can't control the mood an editor is one day or how many ghost stories they got the same day you submitted your ghost story. You can't control that. But you can write such a good ghost story that they look at it and they read it and they think, wow, this is... I, are these even in the same genre? Like, this one's yeah. so much better, you know? You can yeah. really hone it. But it takes that persistence. And I think that Octavia Butler was a fantastic example of someone who overcame a lot and just... I mean, she became... A master, you know, a star in the firmament she of did. science fiction. Yeah. So, you know, she'll be greatly missed. And well, she still is, she is you know. Yes. I mean, I say she will be. She is. Yeah, she's you know? greatly missed. I guess then on entering the contest, so let's, I'm always telling people, why don't you tell people, how do you enter the Rise of the Future contest? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's quite easy, John. Uh, <laughs> you go to the Writers of the Future website and you click enter the contest. Uh -huh. And then there are, there are step by step instructions. Uh, you got to make sure that your name's not on everything. Uh, there's very specific rules you have to read out there, listeners. It's very important um, because if your name's on it and they find out who it is, it's automatically going in the trash no matter how good the story is, which is an unfortunate fact, but the judging being blind is a very vital part of the contest. So if you've never been published or you've had up to two professional stories out there, um, haven't published a novel, you know, it's a great place to start. Uh, you can go ahead and submit on there. There are the forums. You can talk to people there to kind of get some moral support. And it's a great you... podcast. Oh, yes, yes. There's a brand, <laughs> a, a relative, well, I guess it's not brand new anymore. No. Uh, I was there at the beginning, so it That's still right. feels new. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a podcast you can listen to. Uh, there's a great article by this, by this hot new author named Carrie Callahan on the <laughs> blog, too. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Great. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they reach you? Uh, I have a website. It's uh, carriecallahan.com. It's nice and simple. Yeah. Um, that's C-A-R-R-I-E. So like the Stephen King novel. And Who you were named after. Yes, I was. Um, my mom has a, a fun sense of humor. And um, there's a contact form on there. And you can find me there or on Twitter, Instagram, at Ree Callahan. And I'm just, I'm just kind of around. You can find all my links on my website, too. So if you're not in, inclined to look now, it's there later. Good. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to this uh, podcast. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elrond Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. And from DragonCon, thank you very much, Carrie. Thank you.